Welcome to another episode of the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. Today we get to switch things up a bit. For the first time ever on the show, we're going to have a before and after episode. And that is going to be a conversation with my colleague and dear friend, Amy Van Heron, who is the guru and mastermind of all things When to Jump Marketing. And what's neat about Amy is that her side passion jump project, which is now blown up into an amazing community called Pump Spotting. Pump Spotting is an incredible platform for women who are looking to support other women on all things breastfeeding in the workplace, at home, uh, really to bond together and to promote advocacy in a million different ways. And over the course of the summer, Amy took that show on the road through uh, an RV called the Breast Express, affectionately known as Barb. And what's neat about this episode is we're actually going to go into that jump, but we're going to talk to her from before she got on Barb. What's neat about this is we can actually look before and we can look after. So enjoy this ride with my dear friend and incredible colleague, Amy Van Heron. You, in less than 24 hours, are going on quite a trip. I am. I'm about to jump into a 40-foot RV that we've turned into a nursing and pumping suite for moms who are breastfeeding, and we are taking the giant Breast Express into New York City. The Breast Express. Yeah. Yep. The Breast Express. Where did this idea come from? Like, bring us back to to your own uh, kind of uh, story behind the Breast Express and 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 where this kind of found its roots. You know, essentially, so I'm a mom of two and a mother and an entrepreneur. And with my second, when I had my son, when he was six weeks, I had to go back to work uh, because I worked in marketing and I lived in Maine and most of my clients were in San Francisco and across the country. And so I was really passionate about wanting to continue breastfeeding him, but it was a lot of work to do so the way I had to travel back and forth across the country every month. And, you know, I just found myself Googling everything under the sun breastfeeding related. And I was, you know, shipping hundreds of ounces of milk and um, pumping in airport bathrooms and on the, you know, airplanes between businessmen at 30,000 feet and, and just this sort of world that I'd never experienced before as a mother. And it was a lot of work and it was completely overwhelming. And a lot of the time I felt really isolated. And somewhere in the middle of it all, I started to realize that the one thing that made the journey easier for me to keep working and traveling the way I was and still to be nursing and nourishing my son was talking to other moms and other women who'd been there before. I had this idea because my background is in marketing and community building that we could do a better job of uniting us all. And I started to think about it. And the more I thought about it, then I couldn't stop thinking about building a space through technology. And, you know, as as moms and certainly when you're in a pump room all the time by yourself, you're on your phone, it felt like, you know, building an app was an amazing way to connect us and that we could share sort of the shared wisdom of where we pump and how we get through it. And sometimes what you really just need is someone to be supportive and say, you know, you can do it. Just keep going. Don't give up. So I created Pump Spotting, which is an app that does exactly that. It connects women who are breastfeeding and helps them share all the good vibes that they need and the advice and, you know, the places to nurse and pump, whether that is 
somewhere in an airport or a pizza joint that has really friendly wait staff and big booths and um, yeah, a unifying space for women who are who are in that really intense phase of nourishing. And what have you found as someone who thrives in community building and bringing people together around kind of a common core belief system? Uh, do you find that this has become a beacon in some ways and soon to be a beacon on wheels for, for <laughs> folks who aren't and mothers who aren't kind of finding that that structure or that kind of sounding board or, or, or lighthouse, if you will? Yeah, I think so, because I think, you know, breastfeeding in a way, it used to be something that was so communal. You learned to do it because your grandmother lived in your house or there were people around and people next door and there was this really, you know, close-knit community around women that helps them figure out the way and learn what they're doing and ask questions and really just be there personally as a show of support. And I think, you know, the way we live today, we're much more spread out from our family and we aren't as open in some ways and villages and and learning in the, in the same way. And so what I've been finding is that for something that's so physical and so unknown and some ways so emotional and and definitely can be really challenging, certainly if it doesn't go well or you have to go back to work, that um, community is everything. And so, you know, in building this, we've had such momentum because so many moms have been saying, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, this is what I need. I need to have someone else at the ready, even if they're not physically in the same space as me. And you know, I have all these questions and I need someone to answer. And I think there's many places you can get information, but I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for, you know, sort of the great uniting space to bring breastfeeding women together and to really share something magical. And for us, you, you know, the the real onus for putting this on wheels and taking to the road is is that we had the opportunity to give a pretty remarkable pitch on um, Apple's Planet of the Apps reality show. And we had a really good experience. But, um, you know, in the in the aftermath of that, realizing that we were really early on in building our app and thinking through, you know, taking something this from just a solution or something that I felt I really needed to something that was of great value to serve many women that we had a lot to learn. And so at 4 a.m. the next morning after that pitch, my partner, Lindsay, and I sat in a hotel room decompressing and, and said, you know what we need to do? We need to get out there and we need to talk to as many women as possible. And we need to understand what the state of breastfeeding really looks like for so many people. Because by doing that, not only will we be able to grow a true powerful community, but we also will know a lot more about what we need to build so we can serve them. And so we said, you know, we were bouncing things around and, and it just sort of came out. We said, what if, what if we got a bus and turned it into an amazing, comfortable space for moms that just made them feel as beautiful and wonderful as they are while they're in this phase of life? And what if we, you know, took it across the country and talked to people and figured out what's going on and how we can build something great and how we serve them. And, you know, it was a crazy idea and came away from that when the emotions of the aftermath came down thinking, well, that'll never happen. You know, and then about a month later, one of Lindsay's dear friends who had lived in an RV and renovated it and made it really look 
you know, great and really comfy and cozy, called Lindsay and said, we're, you know, it's time for us to move on. Do you know anyone that's looking for an RV? And it was sort of like the universe said, here it is, here's your wheels. And so here we are uh, at the beginning of the tour. We're about to go 10,000 miles over 30 cities across the country to be doing exactly what we set out to do. And it's, it's both terrifying, especially as we head into the biggest city uh, with not many parking spaces and things of that nature. And, and it's also, I mean, it's also pretty tremendously exciting to be going on this journey. Wow, that's just incredible. And talk a little, a little bit about how <clears throat> you've worked both personally and professionally to make this kind of, at, at this point, side jump happen. I mean, obviously, we're colleagues at When to Jump, and we believe fully in what you're doing, and we'll work around that. But as a as a professional who's got not only the work demands to still balance, but also the family demands as a, as a working mom. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of our community might not know what you're doing is actually possible to, to jump and still hold down a job and have a family and a life. Yeah. Well, it takes, a, you have to hold on to the passion because I think there's so much to juggle that what I have to keep coming back to is all the emails I get from moms and from other women who say, you know, in my darkest moments, your app and what you're doing has really helped me get through. And I think just holding on to that core piece really helps me manage and juggle. And there are days when I do it really not well, when the balance is, you know, all out of, the structure is all off and I'm, you know, feeling as though I'm not giving enough to my family and I'm not giving enough to work and, the pressure of trying to do such, you know, tremendous grassroots tour of this, you know, nature kind of weighs on me. But then there's other times where I just keep focusing on the small wins. And I think for me as a working mother in particular, one of the things is that my family has always been really involved in this journey, certainly literally since it stemmed from me wanting to, you know, nourish my family, um, but now I think my kids, my daughter is six years old and she's old enough to talk about what I'm doing in terms of really helping nourish and support other moms and families and the kids, you know, so the RV, the Breast Express is called Barb. She was called Barb when we got her and we've kept her name. And so they are really invested. They want to be on Barb all the time. And we just had an event this weekend and they wanted to, you know, hold the babies and be part of it. And so for my daughter, for example, we, um, we pulled out the calendar and she, she wrote all the locations we're going to be uh, during the tour on the calendar so that at the times when we have to be apart, she could um, follow along and we'll be doing a lot of FaceTiming. And, and so I don't really think I have the perfect answer. I think it's hard to juggle all these things, but I think that following this side passion of mine really makes me better at all of the above because certainly building a community that is, um, you know, centered on something that I really care about helps me see how communities are formed in such a way. And that makes me a better marketer, makes me, you know, more committed and, and have more ideas and, and energy for what I bring back to my day job. And I think being able to show up for other people in a way and serve them and then come home at the end of the day and share that with my family and feel that 
I've been able to do good in a few places makes me a better mother. So I don't know that I have the answers, but I guess I guess that's kind of how I try and approach it. Wow. What's surprised you the most so far? How many things I've had to Google about an RV, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a lot to know about propane and fridges and electricity and mechanics. I know more than I ever thought I would about mechanics, that's for sure. Um, I think what surprised me the most is, and I know in, you in the book always write the chapter about let yourself be lucky. I think one of the things that surprised me the most is that sometimes the best thing you can do is just put it, put what you're thinking or what you need out there and, and that it sometimes appears. I can't tell you how many times on this journey I have come up against an obstacle, whether that's, you know, the brakes going out on, on Barb just before we're supposed to go down to the March for Moms for Washington, D.C., or me really needing, you know, someone to drive or an ally on the tour and feeling as if it's never going to happen, but just focusing on the energy of what it is I need and, you know, talking to as many people as possible to really put it out there. And then I'm just always so amazed that something turns up. You know, the one person I thought would be amazing on this trip, Julia, uh, she wasn't able to go. And then about a month before we started, her circumstances shifted and she called and said, you know, I want to go on this tour. And the brakes piece, the the mechanic said, Dave said, you know, we're never going to get it fixed. We're never going to get it fixed in time. And I called him uh, on Friday the day before. And he said, you must have had so many people cheering you on because I swear it's a miracle. He said the mechanic up the street had all the parts we needed and that never happens. And so... I think you got to just put it out there. You got to have the keep the faith, even when it's really hard, and mm-hmm. things will turn up. It's almost like if you just keep going and you're showing up for others, but really showing up for yourself and saying we're doing this, then the the pieces are found, the parts are miraculously discovered, the schedules align because you're the constant now, rather than being some side thing that might never become a thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think I was gifted with being an eternal optimist. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I can just keep going is is I do think that you have to focus on the good that's coming from things and and what's coming next and the small wins. I mean, I think if you try, if I try and think of the massive scale of building an app business, something I've never done before, or I try and think of the massive scale of, uh, you know, going across country in a way no one's ever done before, or even some days I just wake up trying to think of motherhood. You know, how am I going to yeah. navigate this tantrum or this moment? I mean, there's all those things that you just really, you're sort of jumping all the time into the unknown elements. And and I think I, I've found such joy somehow in, in getting to the other side and really finding the small wins as you build. And I think that's that's how I keep going through it all. Is there anything else you would add to that as wisdom to impart to others as you prepare for this next part of this jump? Yeah. One of the things I think that has been most important is really leaning on other people because I've been, you know, 
as, as much as I'm building something that connects people, I think one of the things I've always done is build relationships in my own life. And I've never found that more important or valuable as I have taking on something of this scope. And certainly also with breastfeeding, um, I, I just have had to really, really ask for help and to really rely on the energy and support of other people, whether that's coworkers like you who really, you know, allow me to do something that's outside the box and still cheer me on, even when it doesn't look the usual way. And, you know, certainly my husband, who's who's had to give a lot of support and just even friends and, and people I've met along the journey. I think if you if you really let yourself lean on all those people around you, then that gives you tremendous momentum when you're not able to just rely on yourself. And you'll be surprised at what people on earth or how many people really want to show up to take part in your journey and your dream. It's kind of a win-win for everybody when you let other people in. That must be the most exciting part. At least it, that must be the most exciting part for me, um, at least seeing it from the outside, just how many people are gravitating towards the community digitally, but you know now in person, the community on wheels, which which just must be thrilling for you, considering this was an idea born in a hotel room at four in the morning between you and Lindsay. Yeah, I, I'm blown away. I had someone just this weekend who drove over an hour just to come up and see us and just to want to stand on the bus. And there's been so many people who come on board and just say, you know, what a special place and what an important thing to be doing to to bring awareness and to really start to change things for the better so that we as women can nourish our families and live modern lives and, you know, build a culture of support around that. And so half the time, I think I'm, I'm still dreaming that it's all actually here and that we made it this far. But um, it also just every day is sort of a new adventure and something new to learn and build off of. We are coming to you live from Barb, a 24-year-old, 40-foot RV named Barb, a.k.a. The Breast Express, and I'm joined by my colleague, partner in crime, and Breast Express chief pilot, or one of the chief pilots, Amy Van Hernet. Hey, Mike. Welcome to The Breast Express. We are on what day of The Breast Express Worldwide North America tour? That's a good question. We started April 27th at MIT, had a Make the Breast Pump Not Suck Hackathon. So that was our very first event, which was amazing because, you know, over 200 smart minds coming together to innovate in a space that I think hasn't had a lot of innovation in a while. But we are 14 weeks in. How many days is that? A lot of days. A lot of days on the road. And how many cities have you hit so far? I think we're at 40, about 40 cities. And how has Barb taken this journey? Has it taken a toll on her? Well, the rule of the road for RVs, we've learned from one of the RV parks, is 200 miles in two days. Uh, And we've now gone 12,000 miles in three months. And so, you know, we 
are very excited about the fact that Barb was a top-of-the-line RV in 1994. So she's got a great transmission. She's got a fabulous engine. So I would say, like, the foundations of her are in great condition. But we definitely, we, we had our brakes go out outside Austin, Texas, and um, had to, to be towed. And we had, uh, we overheated between, de- we, then we had to drive 16 hours in one day. So between um, Austin, Texas, and Denver, we had to pull over every 30 minutes in the mountains. because she was overheating and so we've had a few setbacks where we've had to do some repairs and things but overall she is a she is a a vehicle of joy that just keeps trucking for us and and bring us on to the bus for those that are listening what you know can you describe it aptly for those that that want to imagine what we're doing right now in Vallejo California yeah I think it really does feel like a tiny home you know, we get people who say that, that this is bigger or nicer than their New York apartment. For example, in the front, we've got a leather driver's seats that are very comfy and we spin them inwards and there's a couch and it looks like a living room, really where you can be. We have a fridge where we have snacks and moms can keep their milk. We have a kitchen that has subway tile and another gathering space here and a bench for people to sit. And then, you know, in the back of the bus, we've got a king size bed and a custom wall print that has hearts and boobs all over it. So it feels fun. And then, you know, lots of details and decor in between that feel warm and inviting and lots of boob art and lots of uplifting phrases. I, I'm biased, but I can tell you walking on here did feel like going into someone's home. And even pictures, and people can check out the Breast Express on your website, right? Yeah, they can. Pumpspotting.com. What has been your favorite part of the trip so far? I think when the bus is hopping, it's pretty spectacular. When we were in New York City at the New York Baby Show, there were 12 women nursing and pumping on the bus at the same time. And just to see the community around nourishment that way and to see people so at ease uh, at a time when maybe they're not always was pretty special. We've also, we were in inner city Detroit and uh, it was so warm and rich and everybody was eating and talking and laughing. And uh, it's, it's been an honor to be invited into communities that I've, that I haven't been a part of before and to see how universal breastfeeding is, that it really touches everybody. You know, we pull into RV parks and even the maintenance man there after he finds out what our bus is all about says, you know, I have a granddaughter who breastfeeds and I 100% support her. And and so I think some of the big events have been spectacular, but some of my favorite moments have been when we've pulled up uh, outside an individual mom's house. We stopped in Kelso, Washington, for example, on the way, and we just sat with Laura and her family and to hear what her journey's been like and her struggle and then to see her leave the bus feeling more capable and confident and to know that we've given someone a small boost is just so so moving and so meaningful and for those that are wondering what has been the hardest parts what if i know there's probably been a few but uh what are the kind of the real gritty kind of unseen challenges that you've had to battle through the very beginning, I think before the bus actually got on the road, we had had a handful of repairs and just, you know, trying to be scrappy enough to get the financial resources together. And I think the hardest moment was the few weeks right before we left for the tour, because it was it was that moment of 
you know, the brakes are out, the parts aren't in, are we going to get everything together in time to do, to really deliver upon the expectations of what we've set forth? Um, and so I think the pressure of getting to the starting line was probably my hardest moment. And then the universe sort of responds. So we had a brake issue and we weren't sure we were going to be able to drive um, overnight to DC. And the the mechanic, Dave, that I was talking to said, there's no way I'm going to get you on the road. It's just not possible. And he called me back the next day and he said, I don't know how many people you have cheering you on, but I would never believe it. The guy up the street had the parts and he had us on our way. That's amazing. And that kind of bridges into perhaps the the lesson or the insight that I'd like to end on, which is this nugget that you and I talked about earlier, which is what a jump does for the people and the opportunities and the places that you can't even see and you don't even realize you're touching. And I think in the book, Merle Saferstein, shout out to Merle, uh, spoke about kind of this idea of a ripple. And we were talking about that. It It is amazing. I mean, maybe it's that way the universe is passing it on from, from you to the next person, how this is going to affect someone else who will affect someone else. And in many ways, that's what, that's what adds meaning to our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you just set something in motion because you're excited about it or you think that you can change something and it's not just about the impact you have in this moment but it's literally for us it's a moving vehicle it's the movement of what we put forth and the conversations you stir and the people you connect to and how that has an impact for them what they go on to do or how they might think differently about breastfeeding or how they might feel better about their own situation I think the ripples piece of it is kind of the coolest part is that you just start something in motion and you really do it for yourself. But at the end of the day, hopefully you've done it for many people. And then it goes on to be something even more spectacular. Yeah. I remember when I was on Metro North uh, train out of New York city, right around my birthday, five years ago, I sat next to a woman and I was like, you don't know me, but I have this dream and I want to go play pro squash. I'm going to travel around. I'm going to do it someday and keep me honest, whatever. And, and I, you know, I think it was, eight years later or six years later uh, or seven years later, I ended up on the book tour in New York City being approached by a woman who's like, you know what? I loved that story. And uh, you probably don't remember me, but seven years ago, six years ago, I was sitting next to a Metro North. And to me, that is like why I loved, you know, building this community and why I think going in motion somewhere is important. And, and if we stopped and asked ourselves, is this worth it? Will it make sense? Do the numbers match? Like what will happen? What if no one would ever do anything, right? Like it's, it has to be that, okay, I'm going to take a leap. The foot will leave the ground and there will be another, there will be a step or a jump that will come that, that is worth seeing through, even if I can't see it yet. Yeah. And being part of a community makes that so much better. I mean, we're both building communities and the fact that you're terrified and you're taking this jump into the unknown, but you have all those pe- all these people around you who've been there or who are there who want to be part of it. And you just can't fail because you'll find something good in being part of that. And I think the more you can tap into that community when going through the process, whether you're breastfeeding or trying to uh, find your path forward and your passion, uh, the more the less scary it feels to be connected to other people. And so I think we're both fortunate that, you know, we're, we're flying, but flying towards people, not flying alone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. there's a whole other lesson around, I think, doing things w- with others or towards others, like you said. Um, 
I speaking of which super funny story we have to end on, which is not embarrassing. It's hysterical. I think is that when you and I had a video call, we were talking about this earlier and we had like (laughs) possibly one of the coolest, like very interesting, relevant conversations with like this, you know, very, very, very large organization that we were talking about, maybe doing some of this internal jumping partnership work with. And neither of us knew that it was a video call. And, uh, the organization did because they were in uh, overseas in their bright, shiny conference rooms. And I was in Amsterdam on the way to a wedding and borrowing a friend's living room at three in the morning, had one light bulb above me. It was like dimly lit. looks like I was in a, some sort of prison cell and it shows up. Uh, the video comes up on me. And then the other video is with Amy on board Barb right here in the breast express in the master bedroom with boobs everywhere. And the women were like, wow, what a neat story there. What's going on? How interesting is this? And we just, I think there was a mix of shock and a lot of laughter that came after that. Yeah, it was it was interesting all around. But, you know, why not show up with something interesting? It's what makes life interesting is being interesting. I remember there's a... Uh, terrible. You can cut out my statement there. That's fine. <laughs> Like, I don't know what's yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, Amy, I appreciate all that you do for me as a friend, for when to jump, for pump spotting, for mothers everywhere. Uh, where can we mentioned it briefly where people can find you online? Where will you be with Barb as you wrap up 2018? Yeah. Pump or you can follow us at pump spotting and we're we've got some events here in the Bay Area and then we are on to Chicago and L.A. Amy Van Heron, thank you for joining the When to Jump podcast. Thanks for getting on board for breastfeeding. That will just about do us for the When to Jump podcast. I hope you enjoyed that special episode in the format that is pretty cool to go before and after on board the Breast Express with Amy Van Heron. Uh, just an incredible story, an incredible jumper, and, a, and an amazing friend. And I'm glad that we get to work together and see all of the different jumps she has blossom in, in the ways that they have. So check out pumpspotting.com. You can follow them at pumpspotting across social for more information. There still will be some more events coming up throughout the end of the year. So you still can see Barb if you haven't yet. There is time for that. That'll do it for the show. I want to give a quick shout out to all those who attended Jump Club Boston. It was an absolutely incredible weekend that really spanned every type of sensor, if you will. We had private dinners and breakouts. We had world-class keynotes. We had social entrepreneurs. We had graduate school students. We had baby boomers. We had lunch and learns, sweat workouts led uh, by folks from as far away as Houston. We had folks coming in from the Pacific Northwest, uh, overseas, the Midwest, coming together in Boston for a weekend that really celebrates our community. So a huge thank you to all those who came for another sold-out experience of Jump Club, our third ever. Huge thanks to Weebly, one of our presenting sponsors, and truly a friend to all jumpers looking to make something happen and to make something happen quick. You can start a website in just a few clicks with Weebly, and many of our jumpers found that to be just the thing they needed as they launched their own jumps. And so thank you, Weebly, for presenting and being a sponsor with us at Jump Club. Thank you to Harpoon, to Dig In, to Union Square Donuts, to Ming Tsai and Blue Dragon in Boston, and to so many other people who worked so hard to make this happen. Aaron Wise, Summer Dickey, Ali Felser, so many more people uh, deserve credit and thanks. But it was a special weekend, and, uh, and if you missed it, please stay tuned on the newsletter, on the podcast. We will be bringing it back in 2019 at a whole new city somewhere in the world. So stay tuned. 
Follow us on whentojump.com for all things jumping at when to jump across social and stay tuned because I will be back here on the when to jump podcast next week. Take care.